1: We are joined now by Michael Sunshine, a Grayscale CEO, and Bloomberg Stanley Basic also joining us as well. Michael, it's a real pleasure. This was a big day for you yesterday. Um, What happens now after the U.S. court sort of gave you some runway to be able to launch uh, a spot Bitcoin ETF? What do you do now?
2: Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Let's be clear about yesterday. So yesterday was the culmination of more than a year worth of litigation. Um, The SEC denied GBTC's conversion to an ETF. We immediately filed a lawsuit. Fourteen months later now, we finally got a decision from the D.C. Circuit. And a panel of three judges unanimously voted and agreed with Grayscale and that actually vacates the SEC denial order. Huge win for Grayscale, huge win for our investors, and really the crypto and investment community is as a whole.
3: But there's a process here to the point that you're making, and there is a chance that the SEC looks to broaden this out, potentially fight the decision, uh, bring this in front of a larger array of uh, judges. And so if you're thinking about that potential process ahead, do you have any concerns that the race to bring an ETF to the market will? leave you behind?
2: Well, so today is day one of a 45 day period during which the SEC has the ability to request a rehearing. Ultimately, at the end of that 45-day process, you could expect a final mandate from the court with operational next steps. Now, of course, in the interim, our attorneys are gonna be working proactively with the SEC to try and make this conversion as expeditious as possible. Um, But we really do need to ensure during this period we're adhering to the federal rules of the appellate court.
3: Do you need to refile for an ETF? And if you do need to refile or amend, are there certain things that you would add, such as a surveillance sharing agreement. Do you worry that the ones that already have one have a competitive advantage to your filing?
2: Well, so the operational next steps on anything that Grayscale will or won't have to do will be contained in that final mandate that comes out of the court. But one of the interesting things that we actually got from the court in yesterday's decision was that the court agreed with us that the arguments we've been putting forward all along throughout this process are such that the SEC already has the tools it needs to approve spot Bitcoin products like GBTC that there is sufficient surveillance between the CME, where Bitcoin futures trade, um, and national securities exchanges like the New York Stock Exchange, where we intend to list GBTC as an ETF. So there really shouldn't be any further grounds like the SEC has been relying on to continue denying these types of products from coming to market.
4: Michael, you're very optimistic, Danny here, by the way, in London. Great to speak with you. It makes complete sense that you're optimistic and in a good mood. Do you have a nagging voice at the back of your head that something might go wrong? What are you most afraid of that could kind of undo some of the progress that we saw in yesterday's decision?
2: Well, I think we're really at a pivotal moment here for crypto. Certainly, a lot of investors have been voicing to us increased optimism both around the recent Ripple victory, now obviously the Grayscale victory in court yesterday, as well as what they're seeing taking place in Washington, right? You now have draft legislation that's passing through Congress, and we're really optimistic that there will be greater regulatory clarity for investors through some of these types of actions and i think if we take an even larger step back and look at the broader landscape crypto has been one of the best performing assets year to date and coming out of this most recent crypto winter what we're hearing and what we're experiencing is that investors know that crypto as an asset class is most certainly here to stay
1: Can we just go back to refiling for a second? Sure. So do you have to refile?
2: We will have to see upon the final operational procedures that come through that final mandate that the court will issue.
1: So you don't know, but you may?
2: We don't know what the final opinion will say until we reach the end of that period, correct?
1: Um... Is there, I've been reading stuff from yesterday, too, that, you know, you may have won this battle, but then lose the war and that there's a bunch of other competitors now. So now you're not going to be the only horse in town.
2: Yes. So this is a topic we've talked about before, ladies. It's really a a world in which there are multiple spot products is a world that Grayscale has long been ready for. There are multiple Bitcoin futures products. We believe that there will be a world in which there are multiple spot Bitcoin products. That being said, we want investors to have choice. And some of the things that we do think investors will look to when they are making those allocation decisions are the size of the fund, the liquidity of the fund, the track record of the fund, right? Let's not forget that GBTC is the largest Bitcoin fund in the world. It's owned by millions and millions of investors. It has three plus percent of the outstanding Bitcoin supply and really now has almost a 10-year track record of operational success, right? Whereas a lot of the other products coming to market are really making use of GBTC's operations, disclosures, reporting, and GBTC is really paving the way to broaden out that market.
3: There's another massive market question here, and it's not just about the pace and time, it's about the structure and the fees. Because if you look at BlackRock, Invesco, Fidelity, these are asset managers with a history of coming in low. And if you look at the fees that you have offered and really has made a very profitable entity for Digital Currency Group and Grayscale, how much lower exactly can fees get for the Grayscale product in the form of an ETF?
2: Well, what I've committed to historically and we'll say again to you today, is we are committed to lowering fees when GBTC converts to an ETF. We'll obviously have to come back on and talk to you about what the fees are when that conversion actually happens.
3: So the other strangeness here is the discount that uh, the GBTC is currently trading at. You had gone from 24 yesterday to 15 below net asset value, back to 20. Can you answer to this market volatility here and the uncertainty that investors are grappling with as you head towards this process?
2: Well, there's a couple of things in that dynamic. So number one, there certainly was increased trading volume yesterday in GBTC, a lot of excitement and enthusiasm based on the victory that GBTC shareholders had in the court yesterday. Now, as we eventually approach an ETF, you'd expect that eventually there will be an arbitrage mechanism through the ETF that will allow for any premiums or discounts to be eliminated. Um, That's a really, really important function of why ETFs serve in the capacity that they do. And it's really the core of what we've been fighting for throughout this entire lawsuit, right? Is to ensure that the optimal investment structure is there for investors and we do eliminate any premiums or discounts.
4: Michael, have you heard anything from the SEC over the past 24 hours? Any updated communications or questions?
2: We have not heard anything from the SEC, um, only just from public reporting. Um, We've seen certainly that the SEC um, is reviewing the decision much the same way my team and my legal team is reviewing the decision as well. And again, it is our intention to continue to have a proactive and constructive dialogue with the SEC during this 45-day period.
1: Um, I guess the other question becomes, why here, versus, if crypto and Bitcoin is gonna become a hotter topic overseas, right? Why launch here? Why not go somewhere else and launch?
2: Well, this is the center of the financial markets and capital formation. Yeah, but
1: clearly the US government does not like crypto.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, from my standpoint, Grayscale now coming up on 10 years, of operational history, you know, we purposely decided to set up shop in the U.S., make use of existing rules and regulations, and it's our intention to continue to do so, right, enabling investors to access this innovative asset class, but in a way that feels traditional, familiar, and again, within those regulatory, um, you know, constraints that they're often used to.
3: We were talking about the uh, potential to either refile or amend. We were talking about the SEC's frustrations with crypto and fight against a lot of the parts of the crypto industry. Are you specifically addressing some of the SEC's concerns when it comes to their concerns around market manipulation, investor protection around retail investors? And uh, are there any changes that need to be made before you head into a new relationship with them?
2: Well, I think we always have and will continue to serve in a capacity that's educational with the SEC. This is an asset class that continues to evolve very rapidly, and we feel a tremendous responsibility to be serving in that capacity. Specifically, though, to manipulation, fraud, things of that nature, if you look closely at yesterday's opinion that the court issued, the court agreed with us that the SEC did not come up with substantive reasoning as to how to explain the difference between futures and spot and the fact that these mechanisms that we believe are already in place to detect things like fraud and manipulation in the Bitcoin market are already present.
4: Michael, you mentioned earlier in this conversation that you had some hope that that Congress would take action when it comes to regulation. Perhaps there's more appetite for them to approve and to welcome such products. You said you haven't heard from the SEC. Have you heard from Congress? What sort of noise are you hearing around Capitol Hill?
2: So we are certainly very engaged um, with both sides of the aisle in D.C. There is no question now that crypto has become actually a nonpartisan issue. Right. We're realizing that so many of our legislators recognize that their underlying constituents are involved in crypto are increasingly going to be involved in crypto and they want to ensure that they're approaching legislation in an appropriate way that protects their underlying constituents. Um, I am optimistic that this upcoming. You know Congress can actually move some legislation forward and again I do think it's really a pivotal time for for us and other stalwarts within the crypto space to be educating our politicians about crypto so that they actually are looking at legislation through a very you know knowledgeable lens.
3: I'm going to push you just one more time on the fees here, Michael. Oh, of course you are, (laughs) Shanali. Well, the reason being is this is a matter of competitiveness when we come into this market. It is also going to determine how much retail investors are going to really pay for a product that has been more expensive than other ETFs in the past. Give us a roadmap here on how you're thinking about it because you've had years to think about it.
2: We have. And when GBTC converts to an ETF, we will lower the fee. Um, You said that it's been more expensive than other ETFs. Notably, GBTC is not an ETF today, right? And so when GBTC converts to an ETF and it becomes in that product structure and it perhaps is in an environment with other competing products, there are going to be other factors for us to consider there as well.
4: Michael, I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Really appreciate you coming on. Join us again. Tell us about the next step. Tell us about those fees. Michael Sunshine, Grayscale CEO, and Bloomberg Shinali Basic. thank you so much for joining us.